So today is a very special episode because we're trying something new. This is the very first dual episode that will be aired on the Noteworthy Podcast. What I mean by a dual episode is this interview originated over at Acculturate with Matt Faircloth. He wanted to talk about this subject and we had such a good time talking that we put our minds together and said, why don't we put this conversation on acculturate and noteworthy so we can reach double the amount of people with this much needed topic on media and the culture war. So before you do anything else, I want you to go subscribe to Matt's podcast. Go type in acculturate with Matt Faircloth. Go leave him a five-star rating interview. Go listen to every episode he's got. It's incredible content. It's going to bless your life. Now, let's get back to Noteworthy. Ephesians 6 and 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. Everybody say darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You think the devil can't use what you're watching? When did you convince yourself that the devil can't use what you're putting in front of your eyes? What did he do to Adam and Eve? He put something in front of their eyes. This is what God said you can't have. You should have it. And then exposure, oh my goodness, exposure to false teaching. Exposure to the serpent led to manipulation. The devil has always used what you watch to control what you do. Hey guys, welcome to the Noteworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan French. And today is a special episode because we're going to be talking about media and the culture war. And today is a dual episode between me and my friend Matthew Faircloth from the Acculturate Podcast. You can find this episode over at Matt's Podcast as well. You can hear this conversation over there. And I want to encourage you to go subscribe to Acculturate with Matt Faircloth. He has incredible content. You're going to absolutely love it and be blessed by it. We're going to talk about media consumption a little bit. We're going to have some good conversations about lines that you can draw and practical tips to living holy. Even though the culture is an advocate against it, we can still live holy in a media-driven world. hope you enjoy this conversation with me and my friend Matt Faircloth and have a noteworthy, acculturated conversation. Let's go.
Sorry, I gotta, I gotta get the giggles out. Oh, we're keeping that good. on the episode. That's happening. Maybe we should turn our <laughs> turn our videos off. Right, because when I see you, okay. that's the main problem. <clears throat> right. Okay, <clears throat> I'm good now. Okay. What's up, everybody? I am here with a special guest today who is going to be the co-host on today's episode of Acculturate, the one and only Nathan French. Nathan, welcome. Bro, thank you so much. How are much. you doing today? Oh, man, I'm great. This is... This is awesome. I'm really excited to to unite Acculturate and Noteworthy today, and I'm super pumped about this conversation, and I'm excited to co-host because I do a lot of interviews, but I do not get to co-host a lot, so thanks for having me on the show, bro. By the way, I am a huge fan of the podcast, avid listener. I have listened to every episode. Love it. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've never had a co-host before, so this will be new. Um so we're just going to wing it today. <laughs> um, so for anyone who doesn't know you, Nathan, just uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about who you are, what you do. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Nathan French. I'm 30 years old. I uh, am the youth pastor and music director at Apostolic Tabernacle in Jonesboro, Georgia. I also serve as the Georgia District Youth Secretary and I don't, I don't know how far you want me to go with this. Um, I'm married to oh, my lovely these. wife, Rachel. <laughs> we have two boys, Judah and Ezra, and we have an amazing life here in Georgia. Awesome. No, we actually wanted your whole life story. So the just whole start bio. at the beginning. It, yeah, no, it gets a little, it's a little lengthy. <laughs> we'll save that for next episode. Yeah, they don't need all that. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for being uh, here today. And I'm excited about this conversation because we've had multiple conversations over the years, and uh, yeah. now we get it recorded and the world gets to hear what we talk about, so that's exciting. How cool is that, that we both have podcasts and we can like share our conversations now? I know. It's kind of scary. It's awesome. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> We're basically the same person. Because when you basically. said youth pastor and music director, I was like, that's kind of me, and then I'm 30. and We're both We're like, dads. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. both songwriters. This is getting scary, actually. That's where the similarities end. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> we look exactly the same. <laughs> right, same height. Same height. <laughs> okay, oh goodness, we're getting off here. Here we go. Um, today we're talking about media and the culture war. And uh, th- we've talked about media. We've had recent conversations about it, um, which is why we're doing this today. But we've talked about it over the years and... Uh, you know how I feel about politics and culture, and uh, I kind of uh, consider myself the expert in our group of friends, you know, for all things. Oh, Not you really, are. But Absolutely. I'm just way more into it, I think, than anybody else. But No doubt. Uh, so that's the conversation, but just for our listeners to clarify uh, what we mean by culture war. So in the first episode of A Culture Eight, I described the culture stream, like a river that's flowing constantly. And that's everything that we encounter in our culture, all the prevailing ideologies in our entertainment, in our education, uh, in our politics. It all just affects us and it pushes us down that stream. If we don't actively resist that, then we're just going to – our minds are going to be changed into what they want us to think. But as Christians, we're part of a different culture and our minds have to be renewed and we have to actively resist 
that pressure. So that's the culture war. And in in the world sense, it re- a lot of times it boils down to political parties or social groups, conservative ideals versus more liberal ideals, right versus left. Um, and some of that might bleed over into today's conversation. But what I really want to talk about is the the culture of the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's at war with the culture of this present world. And you know, John talked about the spirit of Antichrist and how it opposes the people of God. Basically, it's light versus darkness. You know, um, that's and that really shows up in uh, in media. And yeah. so that's why we're having this conversation today. Uh, let me just share a couple quick um, statistics to get us started here. Uh, I was just just kind of jotted a couple down this morning. First of all, the daily time spent with digital media per day. Oh like, man, this is. Scary. I don't know what I thought. I don't know. <laughs> it is scary. I don't know what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's between seven and eight hours per day. <sighs> Which is in which is yeah, which is insane because <sighs> most people work like for eight hours, and they should be sleeping for eight hours. So that literally only leaves eight hours left in your day, and you're spending all that time with media. That's not even considering like hobbies, family time, That's spiritual crazy. time. You know, it's just it is crazy. Um, so that's crazy. kind of a, but it's I don't think we're we. Sh- are that surprised by it, you know? All of us that are consumers of media, we probably realize that we spend too much time. But I also found this graph that I just want to share real quick about the how media consumption has changed in the last decade. Um, so, in the ten years ago, in 2011, the average time per day that someone spent on their smartphone was 45 minutes engaging in digital content. Now it's four hours and 12 minutes per day. Wow. Um, and then, difference. yeah, it's huge. Uh, and then, so that eight hours a day kind of boils down to mobile phone, smartphone usage. Um, and then TV, four hours, 13 minutes a day. Radio, one hour, 39 minutes a day. Um, and then it says that mobile usage is quickly on pace to replace TV as um, people's main source of media, which that's not a really big surprise either. Yeah, I believe that. Um, but I shared that to say every one of us have a smartphone in our pocket or in our hand. So that's why this conversation is important because yeah. no matter what your personal stance is on media, what you do or don't consume, we have the device in our hands that um, we have to regulate in our lives. Um, because you used to have to have these different devices to listen to music, to watch movies, to watch TV. Uh, you had to go out and actually talk to people to network. You know, yeah. now yeah. you can do it all with one device. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have an iPhone um, 12 Pro Max with a very large screen. It's a man's phone. <laughs> oh Lord, Nathan, what kind of phone do you Here have? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So you want to open this door? Right here on the air. Okay. Okay. So I am a proud owner of uh, an iPhone 12 mini. And uh, <laughs> it's the greatest phone I've ever owned, hands down. Uh, but but I wanted to diminish the media in my life, so I got a smaller phone. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just, uh, yeah. I, Matt always makes fun of me uh, because I like compact 
you know, <laughs> devices, you know, iPhone mini, iPad mini. Uh, I love stuff like that, so they all make fun of me. But I will I say, if it fits in your pocket better, you know, you can yeah. like throw it in your shirt pocket. It's it's, it's totally like good. Israel no, just... said. I know who I am. I know who I am. <laughs> I am yours. My identity is not found <laughs> in your phone. I know who I am. You know what I mean? So, oh my, oh my. I couldn't. Sorry, I couldn't pass that opportunity. Um, <laughs> awesome. I don't even know what we're talking about. Just kidding. All right. So basically all that, yeah, all that stuff that access to multiple types of media is all in one device now. Yes. Um, So let's start the conversation like this. That was kind of like the introduction. Um, What I just want to talk about some overall media principles. How do you govern your life and when you personally use media and what do you want to share? Yeah. Yeah, that's an awesome question. Thank you for asking it. And and I want to hear your side on that, too, when I'm done, by the way. I'd like to see kind of, because I know we all have our own, you know, personal disciplines on what we have to do. Not everybody is exactly the same. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about media consumption. Uh, and I know you'll probably define media a little bit more. But lately, I've been describing it as anything you watch on any screen is just how I've been defining Mm -hmm. it by definition. But um, just some personal disciplines, the way I approach media um, is that I can't say that I am 100% there yet, but I have made a big change in my life that uh, my personal devotion is usually in the mornings now versus at night because I try to start my day with prayer and the Word. And so I will not get on social media or, you know, watch a video on YouTube or whatever the case may be uh, until after I've had that time with the Lord. So that's a personal discipline that I've put in my life because I know that once I get my phone and once I start getting distracted by everything Mm. else— and also, anything I see on media will be filtered through that time of prayer and, and devotion. So that's something that I've, like like people's negative comments don't bother me as much when I've already prayed that day <laughs> versus, yeah, sure. you know, praying at <laughs> night and then I've got all this stuff on my heart. Um, I also, uh, I won't turn on, you know, <laughs> any type of media like, whether it's, you know, if you could be talking YouTube, uh, Disney Plus, whatever. Um, I will not watch anything in the daytime. It's just something I do personally. Um, it's something I started doing quite a few years back. Uh, even if I have the privilege of being home that day, uh, and even if it's, just, if it's just me, if it's my day off, I will not watch anything in the day. I'll try to do something more productive, you know, get some work done read a book, you know, try to get something done that I've been needing to do. And these are just some personal disciplines that I've put in my life to approach media. If I have been on social media for too long or been invested in media for too long, I try to really be mindful of that and, you know, be aware of the screen app that shows you how much time you spend on your phone. (laughs) And uh, just make sure that it's not a big time waster for me because just like any human being, it's very easy to look at a screen for hours and just 
kind of unplug and let your mind go numb and just let the time go by. And it's really not a healthy thing to do. Yeah, I think um, the time waster is a huge part of the discussion without even getting into like content, you know, because we spend so much time. And, um, you know, when I think it was last week or the week before that Instagram and Facebook were down for a day. And it felt like the great apocalypse. Um, <laughs> it's amazing, like how uh, you'll unlock your phone and touch those apps without even realizing it. Like mm-hmm. it's so second nature. And anytime that we're doing like a social media fast or something, and I move those apps or delete them, like your finger goes straight there, and it's um, yeah, it, it's just really telling about how addicted we are. Yeah. Um, now, so specifically social media, but a lot of other ones as well. One thing I did start doing just to add here was that um, I really love podcast in the morning time because the majority of podcasts that I listen to are, you know, religion and spirituality when it comes to the categorization of the podcast. So it's usually something that's somewhat devotional. Um, there's a couple podcasts I listen to that are probably just more fun than it is, you know, great content or whatever. But for the most part, what I listen to is spiritual with podcasts. So that's a good way for me because I am a audio learner rather than uh, I can retain things better when I hear it versus when I read it. So that's a great way for me to kind of take in content that's biblical, spiritual based, devotional uh, in the mornings, so that's a media source that I do like to use in the morning time versus, you know, visual. Yeah, sure. And I think we have to remember that media really is amoral. Like, there's nothing good or bad about a podcast. You know, listening to things. It all depends on the content. And that's right. um, so there's always two. There's always two sides of the conversation. Like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And then how much time are you spending doing it? And I think balancing both of those are important because you could watch G-rated stuff and listen to spiritual podcasts all day, but you probably still shouldn't be listening, like consuming that much media and neglecting your other duties or mm-hmm. yeah. you know, other stuff. Yeah. So like, I always try and think of it as both of those things have to be balanced. Um, well, I, So when it comes to like oh, – go ahead. No, I just wanted to – tie in this example here is for example uh i have a son judah he's four years old now and so uh if you give him you know he can he has a nintendo switch and and so he is obsessed with sonic right now but like the old school sonic game you can play it on the switch which i'm like I'm proud of you, bud. The old school game. Like, that's what I played when I was a kid. <laughs> and there's there's nothing wrong with the game. There's really nothing questionable in the game. There's nothing I have to worry about him seeing. I've literally played that entire game through when I was a kid. I, I know there's nothing in there that I have to, to worry about. But if he sits in front of that screen for three hours, his behavior is going to be very bad that day. So there's something psychological about mm-hmm. about that. Even in a child, it it doesn't have to be learned. It's it's something within us that when you sit there and you just kind of waste time for that amount of time, and you pour out your 
emotion, you pour out your energy into that screen, it affects your behavior to others and it affects the way that you are going to approach that day. So it's interesting even in children. So why do we think as adults that it doesn't affect our behavior and that it it doesn't affect how we're going to approach the day? And that's why the fact that it's a time waster is one of the the greatest cons of media, in my opinion. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And um, I also, like, I made a lot of bad media decisions growing up, especially, like, teenager, young college age. Yeah, like, sure. I'm one of those, like, yeah, yeah. me too. Every, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah, me too. And um, so when I'm looking at it now, um, I don't want media to be just a constant stream where I'm not thinking about what I'm watching or listening to because I feel like that's what really the enemy wants and how he is going to win the culture war is when we're just mindlessly listening to stuff, not thinking about how it affects our spirit. Um, whether it's doing it too much or the the kind of stuff that we're engaging with. Right. Um, because right. if the, the more we just let that constant stream flow without any thought of, Hey, should I be watching this or how is this affecting me? Or is this changing my mindset about something? Um, that's been a big one for me over the last few years is uh, taking notice about I want to be intentional. You know, I just don't want things in the, on in the background that I'm not thinking about. Sure. Uh, well, you already mentioned uh, you already mentioned Judah and the switch, but um, so I have a two month old. Fortunately, he's not watching media uh, right now. He's not engaging with it. And Courtney and I have already had multiple conversations about like. How are we going to approach that with him? Like, I feel like when he's older, I mean, kids are already from day one. They have a smartphone in their hand, it seems like, you know. Sure. Um, so I feel like uh, parenting in our in 2021 is a lot is a lot different even than maybe a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, so we have had conversations about how we're going to approach it. And some of it we don't know yet. We're just going to have to figure that out as we go. Right. Um, but you're a little more experienced in the parenting thing. Uh so start the conversation by sharing some of your thoughts about how to approach media when you're directing your children. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. It's kind of, sorry, it's broad, but you no, just, I mean, <laughs> we can't talk about everything today. But. It's, it's such a good question. And I guess I'm going to start by saying that I don't have it all figured out. And if you're a parent out there and you're trying to figure this out, I want you to know that you're not alone. <laughs> it is a part of being a parent in the world that we live in, that media is all around them. And uh, it's tough. You know, when you're, let's just go kind of blatantly honest with it. When your child is just born, you say things like, well, I'm not going to put a phone in their hand. They're not going to look at an iPad. And that's good. I, I said the same. I said the same things. However, uh, when you get real, maybe maybe you're a, a mom or dad, and you've been with your child all day. I mean, all day long. You've had no break all week long, all month long. <laughs> you, you, you know, you name it. This is your child. You're always <laughs> Their whole with life. <laughs> They're always there. <laughs> they never go anywhere. And so, <laughs> so. Let's say that's you. I'm not going to be one to judge a parent if if their 
if they're sitting at a uh, uh, a restaurant and they just want 15 minutes to eat their food, right? Can we just be real for a second? They need 15 minutes. I can't even eat my food, right? And so yeah. you, you let them watch something. I, I'm not critical of that. Where I get critical is how much time, two things. First of all, how much time do you allow them to do that? That's where it becomes problematic. And secondly, mm-hmm. what content are you allowing them to watch? And that is where, now, on number one, sometimes I'm a little too lenient. I'll allow a little too much time because I'm trying to get something done or I'm just enjoying a moment of quiet. So I've been guilty of that. However, with the second one, I can truly say I am not guilty of saying, oh, that's not going to hurt him. Oh, that's not going to bother him. It doesn't bother me if he watches that. That's where I really draw a hard line uh, with with my kids is that, sure, they, they may spend a little time in front of a screen. However, it is very heavily monitored what they are allowed to watch because I, as a dad, I'm responsible for them in every way and also spiritually I'm responsible for them and so I'm not going to let them watch junk I, I can't tell you how many times uh, you know Judah clicked on something on YouTube and I and I went and told him uh, we can't watch that we're not watching that and he'll turn it off because he knows he's old enough to know that I'm looking out for him here's an example uh, we don't celebrate Halloween so, um, you know, my, my what? family doesn't, yeah, I know, I know. It's crazy for you, Matt. No, I was kidding. Um, we don't, <laughs> we don't dress up as witches and warlocks and vampires and all that. We usually have a church fall festival and there's, you know, corn husk and candy corn and we just have a good time. We'll do trunk or treat and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not saying that, but we don't celebrate Halloween. And so I don't allow Judah to watch anything that's Halloween based and almost every kid's show has a Halloween episode. Almost all of them. If they watch Paw Patrol or uh, Blippy, even Blippy has, if you don't know who Blippy is, he's a YouTube kid sensation and he's worth like $40 million and all he does is run around in a blue and orange hat and orange glasses and teach kids about stuff. And um, he's very educational. But even to this day, if a, if a video comes on and it has kind of that spooky music or if a bat flies by or whatever it may be kids based judah looks at me and says daddy that's yucky that's halloween and he he will change it himself but it took me as a parent saying we don't do that over and over and over again they say that a child you have to say something like seven times before they get it psychologically Mm -hmm. So, um, that's that's seven times per minute, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're, you're so right. And so I, I guess we're, I I know I'm going a little long with this answer, but what I'm saying is we're in a media driven culture. However, parents, please do not use that as an excuse for letting your kids watch things that are going to hurt them spiritually. Don't let them watch anything that has, um, you know, and, and and guys, I'm talking about kids shows. If you think they're that the kids shows do not have agendas in them, uh, 
then that's a naive approach. They they very much are trying to push the homosexual agenda in kid shows, mm-hmm. um, the the trans movement in kid shows. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just go look it up. You don't have to take my word for it. It's all out there. Judah's not allowed to watch Blue's Clues. Um, now you can laugh at me as at, at that, but you know I'm saying like if if there's a show that I know, okay, they're crossing the line here. Um, Judah loved. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and um, he was watching a couple episodes on Amazon, and uh, and then here it is. This is a show designed for two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and the little girl walks into her house, and she goes, Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. And she has two moms in this show that's designed for three-year-olds and four-year-olds and I had to to turn that off and here's the crazy thing as parents and and in in any leadership whether it's youth pastor spiritual authority have courage to stand against that and you'd be surprised Mm because I really thought that Judah would say but daddy I love Clifford the big red dog I sat him down and I said Judah we're not going to watch this show anymore because daddy has found out that there's things in this show that can hurt you. And I'm telling you, bro, I don't know if it was God. I believe it was. He never asked to watch it again. And you know, kids, when they get into something, you can't just shut it down. Like they're going to ask for it. He never asked to watch it again because he's learned to trust that, you know, mommy and daddy know what's best for me and that I can trust it but it takes a consistent parent in a media driven world that will be counter-cultural and kind of go against the flow of what media is promoting right now absolutely you know that's a it brings up a good point because I think the world and the devil have figured out how to win the culture war and unfortunately in the secular sense the uh the conservative movement they gave up the culture war because they didn't feel like our entertainment and our arts were important, wow. um, like battle, battlegrounds to fight on. But they really were. And now we're seeing that like uh, Hollywood, big tech, um, big media, politics, they're all far left and they're, they're pushing that agendas down our throats. But sure. that's that's why as the church, our children are the battleground. Wow. Like it's not. It's not our adult ministries. It's yeah, not our youth that's ministries. Good. That's good. It's our children's ministries because, and you can see that the devil has kind of showed his hand because he's putting all that stuff, like the gay pride parade and blues clues. Yeah. There was the Gonzo wearing a dress episode as Gonzarella in uh, Muppet Babies. You know, just. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that because I didn't even clarify that when I said, you know, my kid can't watch that show. So, yeah. Thank you for mentioning oh, that. Oh, well, no. There's a good reason why. I mean, it was it was a pride parade hosted by a drag queen and mm-hmm. a, a show for preschoolers. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're That's not unbelievable. They're not bashful. They're not scared to push their stuff. So we as parents shouldn't be scared to say, no, we're not going to watch that. Like uh, that's how we win this this battle for our kids is is by uh, starting with their children. And let me say this, too. Uh, you mentioned about <laughs> saying as parents, like, I will never, I will never. I've already had to eat a couple of those words, you know, because I, I talked a big, <laughs> I talked a big, big talk before we had Rowan. But sure. uh, there's one thing that I see, and this 
it's this is going to be controversial, although it shouldn't be. Sure. Um, when I see kids on devices in church, mm. a little bit of my soul dies. Oh, no. <laughs> oh I draw the um, line there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not. I think I think back to like how I grew up. Mm-hmm. We had the hymnal and maybe the maps in the back of the Bible to look at, <laughs> yeah. or. Um, I had Paul's missionary journeys memorized. Right. Yeah. You know, I knew exactly where he Paul went. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I, um, I would get like a piece of paper to like draw on. But sure. other than that, I had to. I mean, I'm talking from a young age. Like now, when I was a toddler, I remember sleeping under the pews, but I had to sit up and pay attention. Yeah. And uh, I know, unfortunately, this younger generation because of the media saturation their attention spans are like four seconds so it is a bigger battle for parents now but like that's not that is something i feel like in church culture we cannot give up like we cannot just allow our kids to be so disconnected can i tell a story uh, about that that's absolutely related directly to what you're saying are you ready for i want to hear it are you ready okay i'm ready you're gonna get Uh convicted okay okay don't tell it (laughs) okay (laughs) So I, uh, yeah, it's so great that you mentioned that we do not let our kids, the, you know, Judah and Ezra four years old and two years old, they never have any type of screen in church period at all. Um, and just to take it a little further, that means before church and after church too. Um, so it's not like when church Mm -hmm. is right over, and I'm trying, like, they know, like, absolutely no screens in the church. And I just, it's just something we do to just, so they know in their minds. When I'm at the church, I don't, I don't watch Blippy, right? Or I don't, whatever. It's just right. to help yeah, draw the line exactly. so so they know in their mind. And so I'm always teaching it. And, you know, Ezra's, his vocabulary's getting pretty good. And so <laughs> he'll see my phone, you know, I'll pull it out of my pocket to, like, check the time or whatever, <laughs> When the preacher's going a little too long, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. I'll pull it up and, uh, and wrap it up, wrap it and, up. And I always tell Ezra, I said, because he'll try to grab my phone. And uh, for like the last six months, he's tried to grab my phone. And I'll tell him, Ezra, not in church. And you have to kind of just, you know, when they're learning to talk and they're learning what you actually mean, you know, I'll I'll just say that Ezra, not in church. And I always say it that way. And he's learned that that means daddy says I can't watch anything at church. He knows that. So last Sunday, right, (laughs) I pulled out my phone and I was going to our church's Facebook page to share the live stream, which is not uncommon for me to do. Just I go share the live stream on my personal page to help spread the online presence of the church. And I pulled out my phone, I unlocked it, and Ezra looked at me and said, Daddy, not in church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was you like, hate it when they're right. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you just humbled me and made me so proud all at the same time because I feel so humbled. But I was so proud of him in this moment, you know. And, bro, it was like six months of that before it registered with him. But... um I don't know. I get emotional when we start talking about dad stuff. But if if we'll be <laughs> the dads that God has called us to be, then we can win these battles no matter what the culture is is telling us. Absolutely. I had a similar experience uh, 
and my dad had said something to me one time in the past few months and uh it got me to think about like okay as a church leader you'll understand what i'm saying if i have my phone out during church it's probably because i'm either like checking the live stream to make sure it's running good i'm texting another leader because of an issue or you know you're you're kind of trying to communicate with your yeah. music team for altar you know there's always yeah. a reason somebody's got to put out you the know, fires that, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i know in my head that i'm i need my phone out i'm i'm doing it I, i'm paying attention but i'm doing uh, it's serving a purpose but right. someone that sees me doesn't know that you know and, and especially my kids or people in my youth group so i do i try to be a little more cognizant of um even if i um, have my phone out in church for a legitimate purpose i'm trying to think okay how can I do this quickly? You know, like one thing I do every Sunday is I take attendance and I'd write it in um, a note on my phone, you know? And so even that it's a legitimate thing. If I don't do it right then it won't get done. But I have to think, especially as Rowan grows up and he's seeing dad in church, like, yeah, like you said, daddy, not in church, not in church. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I, I mean, I I've said it publicly. I'm saying it today. My, my family knows to keep me accountable mm-hmm. with Rowan, like in church, there's no devices. And to give a shout out to my sister and her husband with my nephews, they are almost six and almost nine, and they've never used devices in church. It's awesome. Something that they, but it's, it's, so it can be something that your kids learn and do. You know, it's not like there may be special cases. I'm not saying. I'm sure. not judging every parent if I see, right, but right. I, I just feel like we got to try. You know, we got to try to to limit this stuff in our kids' lives. Absolutely. Um, so, as a youth pastor, we're both youth pastors as well, and um, I feel like one of the toughest things, um, honestly, immediate this subject is really tough in the life of a youth pastor when he's trying to disciple, um, you know, students. Uh, and uh, one of the things that that I see is, you know, we don't have access to our students 24 seven. So this real, a lot of this falls under parental mm-hmm. um, guidance that isn't always there. But uh, I remember uh, one of the first big media, um, I don't know what word to use, not scandal, but like that really just hit me in the face as a youth pastor was a couple years ago when uh, the show 13 Reasons Why mm, yeah. was popular. Yeah. And um, when it first started going around, you know, I did my research and, and some uh, other youth pastors had shared information with me about it. I'd never, I've never watched it, never was uh, desired to watch it. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it was popular and, and the subject content, all that. But I remember I, when I found out how popular that show was in our youth group. Hmm. And I thought, man, they're watching it. They're coming to youth service. They're coming to church, hearing all, hearing us preach about what we shouldn't put before our eyes. And then this show is so popular, and wow. it really hit me in the face as a youth pastor. Like, okay, what what can we do here? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. do you have any experience like that about how to approach? I mean, I think we, I try and teach principles, yeah. you know, how to make good media decisions. Sure. Um, but it's it, to be honest, it's a it's a frustrating area, yeah. Because uh, you don't control what they do, right? And sometimes parents aren't on board <laughs> yeah. as much as you want them to be. Yeah. Well, it's a great question, and and 
this is probably the part of the the show I'm a little more prepared for because I've been teaching on this literally the last two weeks. This is what I've been talking about. The last episode of Noteworthy was literally called Navigating Media. And so, um, first of all, when I, there's kind of two sides to this. I don't think we should let the culture always determine what we're teaching. I think we have to be really consistent across the board. I think young people can see when you're just trying to hit on something that's a pop culture item. It doesn't really yeah. resonate, at least with my students. Um, but when you were talking about 13 Reasons Why and the show definitely promoted things and, and, and it was, you know, it the show ends in suicide and, and kind of glorifies it. And, and, uh, I remember, I remember when that show came out, it's very rare for me to do this, but I taught a lesson because I found out that there was students watching it. And, um, I taught a lesson called 13 reasons why you should live. And I don't usually do that, but, Mm -hmm. Um, I just felt very strongly to push against that spirit um, because I felt like that was a spirit that we were kind of already fighting in the youth group. And so as a youth pastor, I felt like we need to do that. And so, but this has been a big question that's in my mind lately. How do we teach young people? I mean, I've, I've truly prayed and fasted about it. And, um, and uh, I, I believe that, it can be narrowed down to five things. Now, this isn't obviously too in-depth, but this is what I've been teaching when it comes to media consumption. This is whether or not it's on your phone, your 70-inch screen from Target, your uh, your Black Friday sale, whatever. <laughs> Wherever you're watching it, your tablet, whatever kind of media it is, Psalm 101 and 3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Uh, The Bible also says, it says in, I've got it here, it says in Matthew 6, 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And so, biblically, I've kind of tried to look at it and narrow it down that if I can teach these five things about media, I think that they can navigate it in a way that can be pleasing to God. The first one is darkness. You need to steer away from darkness. You know, Ephesians, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. I think we know what darkness is. Anything that that is, you know, glorifies murder, hate, bloodlust, violence, witchcraft, all these things. There's so many scriptures here. Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. Um, I think we need to be really careful when we're, when we take that lightly, when our young people are getting into things that are very dark and have a lot of spirits that are connected to them. Secondly is obviously sexual immorality and, and lust. Um, Job 31 and 1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Uh, and so if it's media that has that in it, you you shouldn't be watching it. And you and I had a conversation about this 
um, is that even if we're skipping it or fast-forwarding it or mm-hmm. muting it, should we really be watching it? You know, let's ask ourselves the question. Yeah. Like, am I, am I really doing myself a favor if I'm having to skip half of the movie? I have just accepted this. I have just promoted and accepted and paid for something that I can't even watch half of. I've just endorsed something that I can't. So, I mean... I don't know. I I think we have to draw lines like that and say no. I mean, if something is rated uh, R or rated mature or whatever, no matter what, I'm just going to stay away from that. As an apostolic, you know those ratings come from the world. They don't come from the church. (laughs) Right. The world says this is rated restricted. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll just interject this. Yeah, that's a good point because – the the rating system is so far off that wow we think just because it's not rated R that it's acceptable mm-hmm. but I mean whose standards are we using if we're using biblical standards then it's totally different but it's important what you said about you know even if we skip it or even if we're taking it out with those apps or whatever that do that but you know our money speaks and what we buy and what we stream. It's mm. all money going to these companies that are producing it, and it's telling them this is the kind of content that we want. Wow! And so they don't know that you're skipping those scenes. Mm-hmm. And and if you t- if there's a show or a movie that it is mature, but you're gonna skip all that stuff, if you and you talk about it publicly, yeah. you know, does that harm your witness? You know, did they know that you skipped the the nudity or the the, the sex scenes point. in it? You know what I'm saying? So it's it's something you got to think about. Um, and, and I love the, what you said, cause I totally agree. What, if you're going to skip half of it, why even watch it? Like yeah. ask yourself, what is, what is it about this storyline of this setting or these characters? Do I, do I love so much that I'm going to have to, it seems to be more of a hassle yeah. to have to do your homework yeah. and figure out what, what parts you need to skip. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, do you, and the storyline was designed for the agenda. Oh, sure. So it, if all you're watching is for the storyline, that, that they've designed all of it so that you could see the other things, so that they mm-hmm. could get that agenda in there. There are shows that literally stay clean until like the fourth or fifth episode, and then six episodes in, they slip in their agenda. And the whole Because they first, wanted to hook you. Yes, the whole first five mm-hmm. episodes were to get you to that moment. This is why they fronted the money for this. They had something they wanted to say, and evil is easier to eat in low doses. Mm-hmm. And so they, oh, yeah. they, that's how they approach it. And so, like you said, if you have to skip half of it, the only reason they made any of the clean moments was to entice you for the moments you're skipping. So why even take the time I mean, yeah, it's just a complete right. waste of time and energy to do that. And I love how you said that. The Bible says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. So mm-hmm. don't go out and promote um, a show that has all kinds of horrible things in it, and nobody else knows what you're skipping. And then to me, because of my stance on it, I don't even really care if you're skipping it or muting it because... Mm-hmm. My stance says, well, you just really shouldn't support that 
either way because of what it promotes, you know. So that's me. I know I'm old school. I know, I, and I know this. This podcast. This is young generation. I know I'm. I'm rubbing up against some people <laughs> right now, and they're like, "Oh man, he's old school." And uh, the truth is, you're right. I, I'm getting much more old school with this. I'm not no media, but I am. I am extremely conservative in what I believe people should be watching. Does that make sense? Yeah, before we move on from this point, let me share one more thing, because yeah. the scripture popped in my head when you were talking about the rating system. Mm-hmm. Um, if we honestly held ourselves to God's standard, not not what, how much we can get away with, but to God's standard. Ephesians 5 and 3 in the NIV says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. So if God's standard is not even a hint, mm. how much how much do we tolerate, you know, hints? Wow. And I and I'm a, I'm trust me, I need to work on my media decisions too. Sure. Like I think sometimes we feel like if if what we're watching or listening to has some questionable content in it, we feel like because we don't agree with it, Mm-hmm. That we know that it's wrong, that it's not getting into our spirit. But Jesus said, "The eye is the gateway to the soul." Yes, and whether you agree with it or not, it's still coming into your eyes. It's That's getting so into good. your spirit. Yeah, like the old lady that sits in her in her room by herself. I can't believe they did that. Oh, I just hate that that was in that. And then they keep watching it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you can hate it and disagree with it, but you still saw it. You still received it in your spirit. It's still going to impact right, exactly. you. Exactly. So, I mean, you, yeah. you, you nailed it, bro. You nailed it. Um, so, just real quick, and I'll make these real quick. Three, four, and five. The third one is crude and profane language and humor. Ephesians 5 and 3 says, um, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Um, you can be funny without being crude or inappropriate. And um, there is media out there that is not crude and inappropriate. But if if you're, you know, there are literally, and, and, and just to, I'm reverting back a little bit, but it's like, it's, it's even if you go to like the PG-13 rating, this is where it gets... This is where it gets really dicey for people because some people, for example, they take a blanket statement like, well, I don't watch anything rated R, right? But there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of really horrible PG-13 stuff out there. There's some PG stuff that has horrible agendas in it. And all it mm-hmm. says is just parental guidance. And so I'm just blown away. And when I was growing up, you know, I knew lots of parents in the church that let their uh, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old watch PG-13 movies, and even the world was saying, your child should probably be 13 before they watch this. The world was saying that. And then the church mm-hmm. was like, nah, they'll be fine. But see, that's why right. you can't use the world standard because when I'm 13, is it okay? When I'm 18, is R okay? Right? So I'm saying you can't, yeah. You can't use the world standard. You have to use the biblical standard. But how horrible is it that the church would even ignore the world's warning? That just mm-hmm. blows my mind. Number four, mm-hmm. 
is worthlessness. Navigate away from media that's worthless and a time waster. We already hit on that. Um, and the fifth thing is uh, is sacrilege and blasphemy. There's a lot of horrible, horrible things out there. Um, you know, I had a Netflix account for a while, and uh, it it was like, you know, to be honest with you, what I liked to watch on it was the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> Just be honest. <laughs> but um, but uh, when I started seeing they kept releasing stuff that was mocking Jesus, you know, making fun of Jesus, mm-hmm. movies about the life of Jesus, and and just go complete mockery of him, like comedies, humor. Yeah. Um, man, that that just did me in. I canceled my account. I'm like, I don't care if if uh, Andy and Barney are on there. I, I just I just cannot. Uh, I just can't mm-hmm. give my money to these people anymore. So, I mean, Deuteronomy 5 and 11 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name uh, in vain. So any media consumption with young people, if if you hear them misusing the name of Jesus, um, you know, blasphemous, sacrilegious, that, to me as a Christian, that should be really easy to steer away from. Like, I get, like, for young people, sure, um, sexual immorality, profanity, they're going to be drawn to some of that because the devil will use that as a drawing card, the pull on the flesh. I get that. Sure, you're going to have to battle against that. But why would a Christian have to battle against anything that mocks the name of Jesus Christ? If you believe that Jesus is God and that he died for you on Calvary, then this one kind of blows my mind that the church struggles with this and puts up with this. If something is using the name of Jesus Christ in vain, to me that should be the easiest thing to turn off in the world for a child of God. So that's just my little soapbox on that. Absolutely. Man, thanks for sharing that. I, you're going to have to send me those points. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. Um, so we've talked a lot about visual media uh, I want to have a brief conversation about music, yes. Um, because we're, we're both very musical. We're both songwriters. I mean, you're a way better songwriter, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. and recording artist. But uh, what else? Uh, so let me tell you the story. I um, I was at a concert. I was a young teenager, and I will not tell you who it was because okay. you would make fun of me <laughs> forever. Uh, so. Me. Uh, I won't reveal. <laughs> anyway, I was at this concert. I must know. Must and know. it was <laughs> – and I remember feeling so weird and uncomfortable wow. uh, because I didn't know what to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm so – I was raised in church. I was so used to when there's music playing and we're in a, I'm in a setting like that. Like, you know, you worship. And I just remember standing there. I didn't know what to do with my hands. And then I remember the person saying, like, everybody jump. And it just felt so, like, I don't know. It felt weird because I was out of my element. And I'll never forget that experience of, like, music, when we use it in church, when we use it to worship God, it's such a powerful tool to facilitate worship that once you get that in your spirit of what the purpose of music is, sometimes it's really hard to enjoy other types of music that's not worship. Now, you're right. Personally, I'm not in the camp that every single secular song is bad and sure. wrong, and there's nothing 
that's not worship. Like I'm not saying that every song is bad, but I do think. Judah does sing Jingle Bells. I'll have to admit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I just want to. I just want to. You know, hear your thoughts and kind of have a conversation about um, what, how you view music as far as uh, what we should be listening to, and I feel like it, it. it's it's really uh, it's hard to uh, once your eyes have been open to the power of influence of music, it's hard to turn that filter off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. what's your experience? It's a good question. Well, I'm going to start by just what I do personally, and I was not always this way, but this is how I am now, and I'm just being completely honest. I do not listen to any secular music. Except the exception is, um, of course, at Christmas time, you know, it doesn't have to, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm not going to the extreme, Um, you know, I'll I'll listen to Christmas music, holiday music. Um, And then the, the only other exception, if I'm being completely honest, would be like, like maybe a, like a love song that you would hear in a, in a wedding, something like that, um, I will listen to that. You know, if you're talking about being in love with your wife and, and you know, being committed to each other forever, I think that, that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to love each other and be committed to one another forever. You know what I'm saying? So to me, <laughs> yeah, that's not something that's contradicting anything that I believe. But when it yeah. comes to uh, just intaking secular music, I believe that music was designed and created in heaven it was not created here and so when mm-hmm. you when you begin to sing you, it's not something that was designed here it was designed in heaven the angels sing holy 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 the angel you know there's music in heaven and um <clears throat> i believe god created music because it was designed for us to worship him and as designed as it was God's way for us to enter into his presence and feel his presence. So I don't think music can be used for anything else. Like, I know that that mm-hmm. seems extreme, but worship, or excuse me, music is designed by God for worship. So if I'm just listening to secular music, I'm still worshiping. You know, there's still something in my soul that that is that is worshiping. I I saw a Kenny Chesney concert one time, and uh, it, it, I wasn't there, but I saw it on on a screen. And uh, I was at I was at Best Buy, and they were playing this is massive screen, and it was Kenny Chesney, and just come out with this Blu-ray. Like this, this is dating it because people don't even buy Blu-ray anymore. But this Blu-ray disc set <laughs> of his concert, and he was singing. Some song I can't remember. Um, I can't remember what he was saying, but it was a slow song. It was a pretty song, and every I I looked at the video, and everybody in the audience was lifting their hands, and the words to that song were were talking about um, really just hooking up with somebody that he's not even committed to. I mean, that's what the lyrics were about, and I'm, I'm being 
I'm trying to be gracious with how I describe the song. That's basically what the song <laughs> was talking about. And people had their hands lifted almost as if, oh, this is, oh, this is like this moment. And you could see people were yeah. like crying. And were they mm-hmm. worshiping what he was saying? I, I mean, I think their hearts were in a good place. I think they felt something because music is designed to move us into the presence of God. But we have to be careful that when we're intaking the wrong message, we begin, we begin worshiping the wrong things, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. So is secular music a heaven or hell issue? Well, okay, let's say no. Let's be nice and say no. Is not having anything to give God when you get to church because you're so spiritually cold a heaven or hell issue? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. if you get to church and you have nothing else to give and and worship is so foreign to you because you never listen to worship music, you never listen to praise and worship, and church is the only time that you do that, then I believe that can be a heaven or hell issue because you're at a place in your life where you don't even feel comfortable to worship anymore. And secular music can very much do that to you when you are pumping in the wrong messages into your AirPods. So that's that's my stand on it. I, I don't listen to secular music personally. Um, also, there is so much great apostolic music now. I truly listen to the majority of apostolic music. That is the majority of what I listen to. I, I love Hillsong. I love Elevation, all that. But um, I think we're at a really cool day and age where you can hear apostolic, the apostolic message on your radio now. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, music is definitely a tool. It's a vehicle mm-hmm. that gets you, it, it gets you on the road of worship. And I think a, a lot of people misunderstand what worship actually is. Sure. You know, worship is worship is devotion. Mm-hmm. Worship is desire. Worship is commitment. And so. That's just like with the with the battleground on with our kids. The devil knows the power that and the influence that music can have over you. So sometimes it's almost like if you ever been listening to a song, whether in a store or a restaurant or something, and you don't even realize that you're like tapping your foot or you know it's some secular song that you you don't even know what the words say, but you're kind of like the beat, the music is kind of moving you. Well, that's because that's what it's designed to do. Mm. The problem is, is when people put their, people put their unrighteousness in the lyrics and then you realize, Oh wow, I'm singing along to this song that I don't agree with. Like, yeah, I remember list, I was in a, I was in target, the evil target, <laughs> um, <laughs> one time. And I heard this song come on and it, it stopped me because of what the lyrics said, and I ended up looking it up just because I was curious to who who this was, and it ended up being the Jonas Brothers, which, you know, whatever about <laughs> the Jonas Brothers. But um, and the the line said, "Kiss me like your ex is in the room," and I was wow. like, and and something like inside of me was just said, "I don't. Why would you want to live your life that way?" Mm-hmm. It was a very bitter song, you know. Yeah. what I'm saying it's like, yeah. That's why people are walking around with so much bitterness. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's because they're just pumping that that spirit, that, that vibe, that mood into their 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 head, you yeah. know, all yeah. day long. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a teenager in my youth group, there was a song really popular called 
uh, it was a horrible worldly song. It was called Lips of an Angel. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> man, it was so popular. I mean, you couldn't go to, to Applebee's without hearing it. I mean, it was, or you went to the mall, they, you would hear it on the, on the speakers. And I remember um, we were on some kind of youth outing. And I remember this was the first time in my life that I ever took a strong stand against secular music because there was like 20 guys and they were singing the lips of an angel and they were like they were getting with it they were all church kids and um (laughs) I don't know what came over me it must have been the holy ghost (laughs) it was the holy ghost (laughs) I looked at them and I and this isn't to glorify me at all I'm just I'm just trying to help maybe a young person that's listening I I looked at them and I said do you know that this song is about a man cheating on his wife like, I don't know mm-hmm. what came over me. I mean, I probably looked angry, to be honest. I would probably handle it a little different now as an adult. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I would still say it, but I'd probably handle it a little differently. Because I was afraid, too. Like, I was, I was scared to be the one that was saying it, you know. And I said, do you mm-hmm. know that that's what this song is talking about? That you're all... S- sitting in a church parking lot, singing about a man that's cheating on his wife. I mean, I'm talking, it was awkward. <laughs> it was really <laughs> awkward. They, they instantly turned it off. And, and I, I, felt, I felt like, wow, you know, I'm just that guy. But, you know, when somebody wanted somebody to pray for them in the altar and somebody wanted somebody that they could talk to, they weren't going to the guy singing Lips of an Angel. They were going to the one that was saying, I'm going to stand against that. And so Mm -hmm. what do you want to be associated with? Because sure, you're going to have to have some awkward conversations. You're going to have to be that guy every once in a while. But when push comes to shove, they're going to associate you with somebody that wants to be closer to God. And then you're going to be able to have a witness to them. I don't think we can have a witness with people that we sit around and indulge things like that with them. So sure. So hey, before I make a serious point, let me tell you my story about that song. Okay. So lips of <laughs> <laughs> So I remember that song being popular. Oh, man. Uh it never was really on my radar. It's kind of one of those songs that you you kind of heard because yeah, we were like teenagers, but sure, yeah. okay. Do you remember those games that you'd play, like video games, like Rock Band, Garage mm-hmm. Band, where you yeah. like play the instruments? Right. I remember playing that song with friends, and and Lips of an Angel was a song. Okay. And I don't remember what what I was doing. It was drums or guitar or whatever. But they were singing it, and I think that's the moment I realized what that song was about. Wow. Because like. It's it's a very good example of hearing a song and never realizing what you're singing yeah. until you analyze the lyrics. Never even thought about uh, it. But I'll never, like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, I That's think. That's so interesting. What, um, you know, people ask me all the time as a youth pastor, like, the wrong question to ask is, is it right or wrong? Is it is it a heaven or hell issue? Like, to me, and I feel like this is the right view, It that's the wrong question to ask because, Let's say it's not wrong. Let's say it's not it's not worshiping God. It's not glorifying God. But it's not evil. It would be somewhere in the middle. It'd be a gray area. It'd be lukewarm, right? It's not hard or cold. Well, too much of that is going to make you lukewarm. Sure. 
it's going to make you gray instead mm-hmm. of being right. uh, in the light. It's going to make you the shade of gray. And I, I, I think that God wants us to live above that. Yeah. Uh, it's about pleasing him. What the thing, the decisions I'm making in media in my life, I think we need to do two things. We need to do things that facilitate us drawing closer to God. And I think our decisions need to be drawing a hard line in the sand against the culture and saying, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to intake that into my spirit. I'm going to, um, I'm going to resist. Yes. I love my, my big two words I've been using on the podcast and in preaching and stuff is, is recognize and resist. And I think there, especially with music, there's a lot that's in it that just goes right to our spirit because we're not filtering it Mm -hmm. because we don't recognize what it's doing. And Mm -hmm. in order for us to resist the spirit of the age, we have to recognize where it's popping up. And I think a lot of that's in our media. Well, Nathan, this has been a great conversation. One more thing before we leave. Uh, So I know I'm not quick to like um, ever publicly endorse or suggest shows or movies or whatever. You know, I just think I just don't like doing that, but there is one show that we both love that I want to talk about. I already know what you're going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the chosen. You know I love <laughs> the like, chosen. I can't, I can't talk to you about media and not talk about the chosen. So oh, this is an man. example I think is great to end on of a, a good way that media is being used. Yes. Um. And so we we've we've talked a lot about the chosen, but what do you love most about it? And man. I think it's I everyone needs to go watch it if you've never seen the chosen. But what do you like about it the most? Okay. So yes, the chosen is a. A, a beautiful series on the life of Jesus Christ. It's the first ever multi-season series about the life of Jesus Christ. Um, there's two things to me that are very unique about this show. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't usually like Hollywood depictions of Jesus. They, they usually depict mm-hmm. him very poorly to me, and I just... It's just nothing compared to the real biblical depiction of Jesus. And I'm just like, eh, I don't like that. And I turn it off. But The Chosen, I do have to say, is different for two reasons. The first reason is it's not funded by Hollywood. It's funded by believers. It's the largest crowd-funded mm-hmm. project, I believe. I don't want to give false facts, but I, it's it's <laughs> one of the largest crowd-funded uh, shows I think ever made. Um, yeah. And then the second thing, well, let me finish that point because the source is not Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, they don't have the pressure that of Hollywood's agenda. So you, you really do not see, uh, you know, the agenda that comes out of Hollywood. It is absent from this show. It, they don't have their hands on it, which I love. Secondly, um, I love how they focus on the humanity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was God and Jesus was man. He was the God-man. And so there's a scene where he's trying to start a fire and, and he, he cuts his hand and his hand starts bleeding and he has to wrap his hand. And I'm not going to lie. I was like crying watching him do this because I'm like, it was such a beautiful depiction that, you know what? He, he could have just spoken that fire. He could Mm -hmm. have just 
said, hand be healed, and it would have been healed. But he didn't. And to me, that is such a beautiful depiction because it is that is a biblical depiction. He could have called 10,000 angels. He, he didn't have to die. He didn't, you know, he fasted. He prayed. He, he went through everything physically that we had to go through. He was a man and he was God at the same time. And so the way they depict it is so beautiful. Now they do, they do add in some backstory that's not always biblical and they're very upfront that they do that. Um, but anything that is a depiction of scripture is always dead on. So if they're mm-hmm. depicting something that is, you know, like uh, like the scene with Nicodemus and how he has to be born again, and, and like they depict it dead on, and it's very blatantly oneness. The last nerdy point I'll make here is the scene, there's a scene with John, and um, John is kind of a rabble rouser, and he's got a little bit of a temper, and 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 Jesus gets invited to to read the scroll in the synagogue and he Jesus looks at John and says where would you like me to read from today and he said he <laughs> says I, genesis let's read from genesis and Jesus begins to read from genesis in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and it flashes over to John and there's a tear falling down his face and it flashes forward to John writing, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And it, it, it was showing that in that moment, John got the revelation that Jesus was God, that he was God standing in front of him. And to me, that was just a, such a beautiful oneness depiction of who, of who Jesus is. So yeah, I don't ever recommend any show ever, period, except The Chosen is such a beautiful depiction of the life of Jesus Christ. I would recommend it to anybody. Now, they have seven seasons. I can't vouch for the five seasons that aren't out yet, (laughs) but the first two seasons are absolutely beautiful. What about you, Matt? What do you think about it? They're they're so good. My favorite part of it is you know we read the stories in the gospels or the whole bible but this is about the gospels uh the life of jesus and you know it just goes from story to story to story it's just all we know are the details of the story just kind of plucked out of the timeline what the chosen does is it gives all of those characters all those stories a cultural context mm-hmm. that yes. to me it, it doesn't change the biblical narrative at all it, it enriches it and it makes it more relatable absolutely and i think it goes back to you talking about the humanity of Christ like he's he is relatable to us because he was human like we were yes. or like we are and um it it just I love that uh Jesus is not white mm-hmm. and speaking with a british accent <laughs> you yes, know yes. I love that the, the I love the diversity of characters I mm-hmm. love that they they speak with middle eastern accents or uh you know some of them do I just think it's it's a little more uh culturally and historically accurate. Yes, um, absolutely. And to me, it just it, it it enriches the story. Now, the Bible doesn't need any help, but to me, we can see. Oh, wow! These men that are following Jesus and women that are following them, they gave up their lives 
You know, it wasn't just they followed him around town. Right. Like they actually gave up their lives, and yeah. it brings just deeper meaning, oh, and, so or beautiful. it gives us deeper understanding of how powerful the his life was. I but have cried. I love it on every single episode. Oh, me too. I mean, I it just <laughs> it's 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 truly beautiful. Um, I heard it talked about for a long time. I never tried it. I was like, uh, they never depict Jesus well. And I finally tried it. It was free. I downloaded the app. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is unbelievable. Surely it just the first one's that good. And I'm like, let me try one more. And mm-hmm. it just such a beautiful backstory of the culture, the history there. And, um, I mean, they've just, they've really knocked it out of the park it, it's really beautiful and and usually matt and i will call each other and for the listeners you know that are listening and we'll be like did you just see that they revealed that john <laughs> noticed he was got like and we'll kind of nerd out over it because obviously there's there's no more beautiful depiction of christ than the word of god but when it comes mm-hmm. to a an on-screen depiction of christ um i've never seen it done better in that context yeah, I agree. So if you've never seen The Chosen, go watch it. You won't be disappointed. Uh, that's our recommendation for Get the day. Get ready to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Get your tissues. Uh, well, Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation. Every every conversation we have in our friendship privately, it, it leave, I'll leave a better person and challenged and refreshed. So I just wanted to share that on our culture rate today. Uh, any parting words you want to leave today before we get off here? Man, well, first of all, thank you so much for letting me be a part um, of of the show today. I love the podcast, and uh, man, I love you. I'm so thankful for your friendship, who you are, for the stand that you take. You are a consistent, reliable, faithful friend, and just a blessing to the body of Christ. I know we can't look at each other when we compliment each other, but it's true. (laughs) It's all true what I'm saying, and... uh, and uh, I just want to encourage the listeners to um, to find some lines in, in on the open seas of media consumption. Learn to navigate away from things that are not godly, and and you're going to begin to walk in victory. You're going to see uh, some some things fall off of your life that used to hold you back, that used to keep you from from worshiping Him in your purest form. And, and a lot of that can be done through just drawing some lines and saying, I'm not going to watch things that are wicked and unholy, and I'm going to try to keep God first, even on my cell phone, and I believe you'll see the victory. So I love you, Matt. Love the podcast, and this has just been an absolute blast to get to talk to you today. Yes, man. Thanks for being here today. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Acculturate. We'll see you next time. <laughs>